So creating a culture of worship. What is worship? Rhetorical question. We need to define what worship is before we can create or find out how we can create a culture of it. Okay. So we were created to know God. Okay. He created us to know Him. Our natural response to knowing God is to worship Him. Because God is amazing. <laughs> like in the, the, the purest sense of the word, the, the most correct sense of the word, amazing. God is amazing. And uh, so for you married men, when you met your wives, and you would like duck out of work early so you could go see, see her, and you would buy her gifts, and when you stood up on your wedding day and gave a speech and you cried, and, uh, and everyone else cried, germ. Um, I wasn't there, though. Just all my friends in the whole world were there, and I wasn't. So um, didn't, I think I moved house. So obviously the invitation was in the, went to the old house. So oh, oh, that clears that up. Okay. And remember how you would... In her birthday cards, you would write how beautiful she is and how there's no one on earth like her. And, uh, and that's basically worship. That's worship. It's praise when you're telling, you're looking at all her strong points and you're just highlighting them. And you say, you're beautiful. Your hair is stunning. It smells like strawberries. And that's what worship really is. It's us loving God. It's us Leaving early so we can be with him, in a sense. Making time for him. It's us giving him gifts. There's a sense of sacrificing. A sense of giving to him out of, out of a sense of love. Um, there's praise. There's speaking of him, of, of his worth, of his beauty, of his glory, of his greatness, of his perfection. And that's the kind of relationship we're created to have with him. But then that got all messed up, right? So Adam and Eve in the garden... They kind of had that, that just walking with God kind of thing. Then what happens? We know that God says to Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree in the garden. And he gave them authority. You can name the animals. You, you rule. And he says, just this one tree that you're not allowed to eat from. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And then God kind of goes for a walk. And uh, it's a beautiful garden. So you would also have gone for, for walks in that garden. And um, so what happens, Adam and Eve are standing around enjoying the beauty of this garden and the serpent comes, the devil comes, and he says, that's a nice tree, eh? How about that tree? And they're like, no, 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 God said if we eat of the leaves of that tree, of the fruit of that tree, we will surely die. And he says, come on, you will not surely die. God knows that if you eat the fruit of that tree, you will be like God knowing good and evil. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so what happens? They get deceived and they end up eating. And what happens? They die. All right? Guilt, shame. They realize they're naked. They hide from God. From that day on, mankind replaced God as the center of worship with himself. From that day on, you will be like God. Okay, I will be like God. 
Okay, I want to be God. So, thanks God for coming. I am God. From that day on, we chose to please ourselves. We worship ourselves. We sacrifice to ourselves. We make time for ourselves. We love ourselves. We do what we want to do when we want to do it. We please self at the expense of anyone around us. You look at the family unit in this world today. Husbands and wives running off, leaving kids behind. Me, I I led a youth group for 10 years. I grew up in that youth group. I've seen kids grow up without dads. And there's very little that makes me angrier. We choose ourself at the expense of anyone. So we became worshippers of self. But the thing is, when we replace God with ourself, we take God off the throne and say, I'm on the throne, we don't have the resources of heaven. Mankind is not able to save himself. You know what I mean? So what happens when we are God, we lack, we are found wanting. So, if I could define worship very simply, worship, worshiping God is choosing God. So you're either a worshiper of self or you're a worshiper of God. And the way to kind of find out which one you worship is who do you choose? On a daily basis, who do you choose? Do you choose God or do you choose self? And so Adam in the garden, he chooses self. And he dies. He inherits death. What happens when we choose self is we we kind of wedge ourselves. We start moving into a small place. We move into smallness. Okay? And um, often it's not just us that we lead into smallness when we choose self. We also lead others into smallness. Okay? So, for instance... Let's take that family unit thing. A a dad, a husband, sees a lady he works with. Things start to get a bit um, tempting. The fruit start to look a bit (laughs) tempting. And, uh, And what he does, at the expense of everyone else, at the expense of his kids, expense of his wife... He chooses self, and he pleases himself. He ends up walking a road into smallness, ends up losing his family, probably friends, whatever, and he, just, and he walks into smallness. But what about his family? He leads his kids into growing up without a dad. He leads them into smallness. Okay, so we have a look. Speaking about Adam choosing himself, Inheriting death, going into smallness. Let's have a look at Abraham and Lot, the life of Lot. Okay, so Abraham and his nephew Lot in Genesis 13-ish. They are, they're walking, Abraham's got promises from God, and, uh, and it's going well. 
It's going really well. Things are looking up for them. They've got so many. So Abraham's got so many possessions, uh, such a big family, so, many, so much livestock and all that. Then Lot's also got so many possessions, all this livestock. They can't stay in the same place because wherever they go, the land can't support all their possessions. So things are good. So Abraham says to Lot, listen, well, why don't you choose a place? Let's separate because our herdsmen are having a bit of a fight because my livestock and your livestock, they, they can't, you know, there's no, not enough space. So we're, bro- we're brothers. We're actually uncle and nephew. But um, let's keep the peace. We back each other. Let's part ways. If you go to the east, I'll go to the west and vice versa. I'll go wherever you don't choose to go. So, Abraham, uh, so Lot looks and he sees, sees the river. He basically sees like this beautiful place. It, to, to the point where it actually says, it looks like the Garden of the Lord. It looks almost like Garden of Eden. Beautiful place. And he's like, whoa, I'll, I choose that one. So Abraham's, cool, you take that one, I'll, go, I'll take this one. That's what happens. And the words of Abraham to Lot is, is not the whole land before you. Look, before your feet, look. Look at the space. There's a spacious place. Take your pick. Like, like in the garden. Take your pick. There's one tree out of this whole, this whole place. There's one tree. There's space. Where does Lot end up? Lot end, ends up locked behind a door with the people of Sodom banging at the door. He ends up going outside and to protect the angels that God had sent, he's offering his daughters for these men to sleep with. His daughters were virgins, never been with a man. And he's, he goes from the spacious place to actually like sacrificing his daughters, saying, guys, take my daughters, take my daughters. I mean, and then he ends up in a cave, hiding away in a cave. Does that sound like a spacious place? How does he get there? He went, it was a beautiful place, but he camps right next to Sodom, a place of wickedness. I want to say this morning, compromise. When we compromise on the standards of God, and we camp near wickedness, when we camp by sin, it's not going to do us any favors. It's not going to take us into a big place, to a spacious place. So he camps right next to Sodom. Later on, it actually says, now, now Lot was living in Sodom, which speaks of us. We start to just compromise, and we, okay, now, cool, cool, it's beautiful. I'll just camp just outside of Sodom. Camp near wickedness. It sucks us right in. We end up living in it. Where do we end up? Hiding in a cave. Smallness. Where are you camping this morning, I want to ask? Are you camping anywhere near Sodom? If so, run for your life. Then we've got another garden in the, in the New Testament. It's called Gethsemane. Jesus on his knees, sweat dripping like drops of blood. And he's saying, Lord, if it is possible, take this cup from me. I cannot bear it is too much of a weight for me to carry. However, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus doesn't choose self, dies to self. He chooses the Father. He chooses God. What happens? 
He does. He chooses death. Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but, but becoming in appearance as a man, blah, 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 made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, made himself nothing and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he chooses, he chooses God, he rejects self, he chooses God the Father, he dies to the point of death, becomes obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, the worst type of death. Therefore, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see Jesus choosing the Father to the point of death. But what does the Father do? Takes him into the spacious place. And again, he didn't just end up in the spacious place. Romans 5.19 For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So, Adam's inheritance, he chose self. We were made sinners. All of us inherited that smallness. Because of Jesus, his righteousness, he inherited what he inherited, and he opened it up for us. Paul and Silas are in prison, Acts chapter 16. They've been beaten. Those prisons were savage. They were savage. At midnight, they start to praise. They start to sing hymns to God. What happens? There's an earthquake. The doors fling wide open. All the prison doors fling wide open. To the point where the, the prison guard shouts, like, turn on the lights. And they're like, I can't even really remember. I think he's like, please don't kill me or whatever. Or he's, I can't remember what he said. That's not important. But what happens is they praise. In their their moment of they're in a small place, they're in a prison. Probably inside that prison, they've got shackles on. They're chained up. They begin to praise. And what happens? Opens up. For them, yes. But every other prisoner is also, it's opened up. When we choose God, we begin to walk into a spacious place. And not just us, but those around us as well. Funny thing is, Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. So the devil comes, and he's got, he's got no power. He's only, the power is only in his lies. That's the only power he, he has. All right? So what he does is he convinces them that what they are, that they need to strive, they need to make a plan, they need to do something to actually be what God has made them. Does that make sense? So they are this. The truth is they are made in the image of God. They are already like God. Okay? The devil comes and says, oh, no, surely not. Because God knows that if you... 
eat of that, then you'll be like him. But they already, God has created them to be like him in his image. And so what he does is he just deceives them. And the moment they, they listen to that lie and they eat of that fruit, they become exactly what they're trying not to be. You know what I mean? They, they, he robs them of what they already are. Makes sense. The moment they try to cling to their identity, they lose it. And the moment we start looking for our identity outside of God, we lose our true identity. So Jesus let go of his deity, considered equality with God, nothing to be grasped, and he was exalted to the highest place. It's like the story of the most humble man, the most humble man that ever lived. And so they said, the most humble man that ever lived, Jeremy Kleinsmith. Come up, Jeremy. Don't. But. And uh, so he comes up, and they give him a medal. As they put the most humble man medal on him, put him on, he's like, thank you. Thank you very much. Take it. And they take it right off again. Because the moment he puts the medal on, he's no longer the most humble man. And it's as, as, as soon as we try to claim that identity, we actually lose it. And uh, if... If your identity is in wealth, if it's in the car you drive, the job you have, if it's in your success, I want to say you're not living in the call of God. You're not living in the purpose of God. You're not living in the fullness of what he has for you. So I had a a bit of an identity crisis yesterday. My wife told me she bought my little two-and-a-half-year-old boy Crocs. Not happy. Just not happy. When I get home, when I get home, let me tell you. So worship is knowing that God is God, that you are not, and choosing to do what pleases Him, even when it comes at a cost to you. Okay. But I want to say that God is good. Honestly, everything. So, so you could hear this, and you could walk away heavy and like, oh, condemning, heavy. So I pray that it challenges you to your core. I do. But I want you to know that God is good. And God will ask much of you. But you can never outgive God. I want to leave that with you. You as a church, you as an individual, you will never outgive God. You cannot be more generous than He is. He is a good Father. He is a good Father. And, and giving and our faithfulness and our worship and our choosing others and our choosing him. Let me tell you, we, we can pay the price, but I'm telling you, it will never, it will never come close to the price he's paid for us. He, you, you cannot outgive him. So he's speaking about a culture of worship. I want to read Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. It says, through him, that's Jesus, that... Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Okay? Then it goes on. and says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So I was looking for this scripture, the fruit of lips, you know, this offer a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips. So I find it, and then I carry on reading, and then it says, 
Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And it struck me, if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 onwards, that little passage about all the believers were together, they had everything in common, they devoted themselves to the, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, you know? And then it says, and they, they, they would sell their possessions and they would give to everyone as he had need. They had everything in common. There's a sense of community. And it was like, this culture of community, this, this kingdom culture where, where God puts a people together like you have been put together to impact an area. It, it speaks about this common goal, this, this unity, this everyone looking out for each other, to this, the common need, sharing with, with each other as, as we have need, like no one holding, clinging on to their possessions, speaks of that a lot more than it speaks about singing in church. So I've been asked to speak about a, building a culture of worship. And with that topic, you might think a culture of music. But I want to tell you this morning that your music, the way you sing in church, it will, uh, it's just the exhaust fumes, to borrow, to borrow a quote. This is just the ex- exhaust fumes of your lives, of your, your lifestyle of choosing God. So if, if you are living lifestyles where you choose God and you invest in His kingdom, your worship in this place, this roof will not remain. It will cook. It will explode. We can't say if we sing the right songs and if we have amazing expression of worship here in our music, then we will have an amazing expression of us actually impacting people around us out there. It happens the other way around. This is the exhaust fumes. The engine runs out there in your life. And so, kind of, you, you add all your lives together, all your engines together, and when you come together here, it just explodes. So I don't even want to talk about music today, because that's actually not important. It's us choosing God, His kingdom, what He wants. There's a sense of a worship community carrying their community. So it's not City Lights, Dan and Starla. They carry it, we come. We come to the meetings. There's a sense of they had everything in common. They sold their possessions and they gave to everyone as he had need. There's this common carrying the load it's worship. This is, what, this is true worship. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But often God calls us to sacrificial obedience. And um, the season you're in, I'm sure there will be lots of talk about this building, your future, you know, it's exciting. It's me seeing that warehouse, it's super exciting. And God is going to do it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that God is going to do it. There's, it's like zero doubt. It's happening. The fact that where you are already, it's, it's amazing. You are 
on an amazing journey. Where you are right now is probably the most exciting place you could possibly be. I think it'll be less exciting when you're in the building. Because right now it's like God is speaking. He is breathing his life. And that, that scripture that Stala read, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. Do you know the power of the word of God? Hebrews chapter 1, he sustains all things by the power of his word. The whole universe is held together because he says so. So when he speaks into your context and he says, this is going to happen, there we go. It is done. It's an exciting season. But you can. Now, we have had a nightmare of a building project back home in our church. A nightmare is horrible. And you, people have, you know, you know the ugly stuff about things like this. It's not going to happen here. But you can sit there and you can, you can hear people talking about the building. And you can, you can start to say, oh, they're on about the bu- their building again. The building. The... And you can kind of separate yourself. This is your inheritance. This is your inheritance. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth, your possession. How many banners I've seen that on? I don't know. 100 billion. But it's true because it's the Bible. Psalm 2 verse 8. But what you need to be doing in this season is not hearing what Dan or someone standing up here is saying, okay? Because he has been called to shepherd you, yes. But there is a chief shepherd as well. And he is not the priest. He is not your priest. So if he says, give 5,000 dirham, don't listen to him. Because <laughs> he is not your priest. But you do have a priest. His name is Jesus. And if this is his project, which he has said it is, it's his project. So when he says to you, give 5,000 dirham, listen to what he's saying. And I promise you, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When you hear his voice, when you hear his call, he releases a grace to carry that call and to walk in that call. So this doesn't need to be a heavy thing. And I know I've kind of gone from building a culture of worship, but I believe that in this, in this season... This is what your worship is. And it will overflow. So there's some of you who are embarking on your own businesses and stuff. I'm not saying that neglect that because the church, the church. Do what God is calling you to do. Just do that. Be free to do what God is calling you to do. I want to tell you as a, as a church, this, God is definitely on this. Listen to his voice. Listen to what the chief shepherd is saying and respond in obedience. This is worship. Worship is, Lord, what are you saying? I do it in radical obedience. That pleases him. Okay? For those of you who don't know how to hear the voice of God, this is a season where you need to. I want to give you a simple, simple illustration and we can move on. I mean, not move on. I'll close. <laughs> uh, we move on. <laughs> um, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 17, it says, 
For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. An intimate word, like Daddy. By the spirit of sonship, daughtership, actually sonship, and I'll explain that as well. Spirit of sonship, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, big S, himself, the Holy Spirit himself, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay, so for the ladies who are like, why is it sonship, not daughtership? Come on. In those days, you didn't want to be a daughter. You wanted to be a son. The sons were the heirs. The sons got all the stuff. The sons had privileges. You want the spirit of sonship. Because by the spirit of sonship that you, ladies and gentlemen, are heirs. You are God's children. And that you get everything that he wants for you. You don't get a second rate. Ladies, you don't get a second rate child kind of inheritance. And so, who has WhatsApp here? Okay. So, if Dan has WhatsApp, and I've got email on my phone, can he send me a WhatsApp to my email and I'm going to get it? No. The answer is no. He can't. (laughs) Uh, Have they invented that now? No, they haven't that I know of. If Dan has WhatsApp and I have WhatsApp, he can send messages to me and I can send messages to him. We can communicate and we can all not. Wafa. Wafa. It's because I don't like you. You should see my writer's music videos to your church. First time I've ever seen them. Don't like you. Um. <laughs> We have, the, we have the Spirit of God inside of us. God is Spirit. He's given us free Wi-Fi. <laughs> we can talk to Him. He can talk to us. You have received the Spirit of Sonship, and by Him we cry out, Abba, Father. We cannot worship God without the Spirit. The formula for worship and relationship with God is His Holy Spirit. That's the formula. That's, it, stop, it starts and ends there. It's not how good you are. It's His Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have relationship. It's that simple. And so you need to be hearing. To obey the call, you need to hear the call. When you hear the call, you receive faith for the call. So I leave you with this question. Does your obedience, which is worship, does your obedience open up an inheritance for others? Does it bring you and others into a spacious place? You guys are called to pioneer in this place now. How many people's eternal destinies are going to be transformed through what you sow? 
That is the beauty of worshiping Jesus. His redemption flows through us. Okay. So I'm done. I would love to pray for us. Um, Sit down, please. Nice enough. I'm going to ask, I don't want everyone to stand up. I'm going to ask us to respond. So if you mean business, then you can stand up. If you don't really, then sit down and feel free. Feel free. It's before God. It's not before man. Don't fear man. Be cool. If you want to worship Jesus with your life, not it's got very little to do here. This is just exhaust fumes. But with your life, you want to choose God. And you want to walk into a spacious place. Even though sometimes it's costly. Even sometimes it feels like you're, gonna, you're literally laying your life down. You have faith that actually you can never outgive God. He will lead you into a spacious place. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He is good. He is good. We can trust him. If you want to live a life like this, a life of worship, this is a culture of worship. I want, you to, I want to ask you to stand up, and then I'm going to pray for you. Please do it before God and not before man. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you did for us, how you laid your life down for us, and the inheritance you've opened up for us, the example that you are. Lord, we respond to your word this morning. and We say, use us. We choose you this morning, Lord. We choose you. We choose to honor you. We choose to praise you. We acknowledge that you are worthy, that you are God and we are not. You are God. We are not. Would you build your kingdom? Build your kingdom in this place. Use us, Lord. Use us. And Lord, my prayer for this church, for City Lights, is that that as they respond in obedience, Lord, that you would lead them into a spacious place. I pray that as they, they hear your call, I pray that you'll continue to speak with clarity to everyone, Lord, not just to the leaders, but to everyone as a church, as a body, as a family, that everyone would would be able to carry this as a community, Lord, would walk into this inheritance together. And I pray that as we hear your call, respond to it with faith, that your grace would be poured out upon them, Lord. Lord, as a church, Lord, and even I pray for individuals, in their own capacities, Lord. Those who are, are trusting you for things, trusting you for, for greater space, Lord. Those who, are, who feel like they're caught in the dark prison, Lord. I pray that right now that you would release a spirit of praise upon them instead of a garment of despair, that you would bring them into a spacious place in Jesus' name. I pray that prison doors would open now in Jesus' name, that you would begin to unlock, unlock, unlock these situations, break the ceilings, Break the shackles. Bring them into a new place. Lead them beside quiet waters, into greener pastures, into a spacious place, Lord. Take them into an inheritance, Lord. 
to bigness. And to bigness, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And I pray that your boldness, and I pray for, for faith, for the gift of faith. The gift of faith to be released into hearts. That they would not settle. That they would not sit down and lay back. But they would keep running. They would keep running. They would break new ground. A pioneer spirit, Lord. A pioneer spirit over this church, Lord. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon this church. That they would break new ground. Thank you for a pioneering people, Lord. Pioneering people. I pray that your grace would be evident in, in, in just personal lives, Lord, in individuals, Lord, that there, would, that there would be testimonies, that people would come and they would share testimonies of what you are doing, of the steps of faith that people are, are taking and seeing your grace poured out, that they, would, that they would see they were walking on water. And, Lord, I pray that, that out of those individual testimonies, Lord, I pray that there would be a corporate faith that is released together as a family, to go into the corporate inheritance, Lord. But that faith would come out of the individual testimonies, Lord. That's what I pray, Lord Jesus. I thank you, King. I thank you, King, for greater things yet to come. Beautiful things, glorious things. In Jesus' name, amen.